Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King and it's my great honor to bring you this podcast where we talk about things that other podcasts either cannot or will not or just fail to talk about. That is, things that are intended for mature audiences only. Today's guest, a very special guest as always, um, but today's guest is kind of cool because just the other night, one of my outside the industry friends contacted me, as happens from time to time, always drunk, it's always late night stuff, and then the question <laughs> that my outside friends always want me to answer is, okay, well, based upon your personal experience, who are the most talented sexual performers in the business, uh, in the adult film industry, you know, which is a lot like asking a basket, a pro basketball player, who are the best players in the sports. So they want to know who are the best at sex in the world. And I said, well, let me see. I can't narrow it down to a single one, but I can give you a list of the elites, the top of the game. And the first name that I mentioned, Lola Faye. Lola Faye, according to her Twitter, is an independent adult star, succubus dominatrix. AVN-nominated talent. She is uh, essentially the triple X Tinkerbell of porn, 4 foot 11, 85 pounds of awesome sex. She is Lola Faye. There you go. How do you like your intro? That was the best intro ever. I never. I am so flattered. I'm actually blushing. <laughs> been called the triple X Tinkerbell of porn before. I think that's a. I, we should trademark that pretty fast. Here. I know, and I love it. Yeah. Um, so let's get right into what I think is our more, most interesting topic of the day here. You tweeted the other day that you want to start providing mentoring for performers who are confused about being a switch or who need to know how to uh, navigate the fine lines of being both a dom and a sub in the world of porn. That's you, huh? Yes, definitely. I um, am very fluid by nature, and I didn't want to feel like I had to fit into one or the other in order to make it work. Yeah. So I'm a hedonist. I want to have fun, and I want to do it all. And I know that there are a lot of other people that feel the same way. But it's also kind of taboo for some reason. I'm. It's interesting. It is because you hear fans from time to time say, you know, hardcore submissives, for example, will say, I can't worship so-and-so as a goddess because I've seen her in gangbang scenes where she uh, is getting slapped around by six guys. And so they can't think of her as a dominant. Um, and it's just not... The problem with that is that you're talking about the small minority of fans who are yeah. the most vocal. Mm-hmm. And I have like so many submissive fans that find me through my like vanilla hardcore porn, you know? Yeah. And therefore, I've never seen it as anything but an asset to my dominatrix business essentially well i mean i'm i'm proof my website meanbitches.com is somewhat acknowledged as the top most popular female domination site in the business and almost every performer that we have on here is both a switch it means both a sub and a dom Mm -hmm. 
as well as Lola. Lola is on the website and has done a great scene for us, uh, one so far, but more coming. Um, what? Uh, so you started, though, probably doing submissive scenes? I actually... Okay, I, I came into porn through... Um, I had been modeling since I was 16 and I was about 20 and I was really interested in professional domination. Really? So, yes. So I'd been kind of like looking everywhere, high and low, Craigslist, like sexy jobs, all these different like obscure places to figure out how to find a dungeon because I just didn't know about FetLife. And I managed to find someone in florida um they do like the goddess foot domination sites yeah and i started with them so i originally was gonna make a site with them but then i just decided to like share the content and started doing porn about three months into like making fetish clips mm-hmm and I stopped focusing on fetish clips as much because I was just trying to get the hang of, like, porn world mm-hmm. and navigating, like, the transition from vanilla to, like, just having a totally kink-led life, both, like, lifestyle and in job. So it's been a really interesting transition. It's been a lot of fun getting back into making more fetish clips, but the entire time I was doing domination sessions. Mm -hmm. So I had been really developing my persona. So, and having like the in-person and such a variety of clients has really allowed me to like understand kink much better. Absolutely. And that's the thing that separates the good doms from the great ones. Uh, we talk about this on the show quite a bit whenever we have a, a dom on the show. Last week we had Astro Domina, actually, and we talked about the same thing. That Oh, she's fantastic. She's great. She's great. And we talked about how anybody can make a video clip called Slave Jeff Smells My Armpit, and, and it's just three minutes of a guy's face in an armpit. But the great ones will understand the psychology. Why does Jeff want to smell the armpit or be forced to smell the armpit? And how do we make a clip that that gets into his head instead of just showing the physical act? Definitely. And it's way more fun like that too. And it comes across more interesting to watch because then there tends to be more verbal. Mm-hmm. And if it's less repetitive, that's even better. <laughs> I'm pulling up your clip store right now so I can see some of your clips. Uh, but let's go back to the first time you were on set then. You, you, what'd you do? You found an ad from footdom.com or how did you get hook up with them in the first place? And then what was it like going on your first set? I think I saw something on sexy jobs or he emailed me first, one of those sort of situations. And I went and we filmed and I was filming with them like one day a week, four hours a day. So we'd get like three or four clips done. And I did that for about two months, but then the site wasn't set up yet. And I was like, you know what? I kind of don't want to have someone running my shit right off the bat. Like I want to learn myself and I want to own my own content right now. Um, So 
I decided to part ways and on on the set of that I was going to Peru and I had all this content but I hadn't made any money off of it and I had friends that were in porn they were like well if you ever want to do a scene just let me know and I was like wow that sounds great so I did a scene with my friend's boyfriend for Reality Kings Hmm. and that was that was fun uh because i had already known him your friend's boyfriend (laughs) yes this can result in jealousy uh and awkwardness so how did that work out how'd your friend take it that you were doing a scene with her boyfriend she was the one who had like hired me for the scene and (laughs) did all the back-end work so of course even if like there was i'm sure there was some sort of feelings because just of the nature of their relationship um but you know i had sex with her later on too so (laughs) it goes both ways uh and did that sort of turn you into a swinger to some degree like did it did you go oh you know what i like this whole thing of having sex with couples um no i had never really wanted like i consider myself polyamorous but I haven't done too much swinging. I had, I actually guess I swung for the first time like a week ago. I've been a unicorn in a relationship and I didn't want to get there. And it, when it happened, it was like, all right, this is cool. And then it quickly turned awful. So, yeah, I've never been like a couple hunter. All right, hold on. You got to explain to the audience what a unicorn is in the world of swinging. A unicorn is um, this very special person that dates two people within a couple or fucks two people within a couple but um how the unicorn is treated depends and varies of course course. (laughs) yeah i mean swinging relationships sometimes work out uh sometimes in our industry, you see a lot of relationships start and stop and start and stop. I mean, it's it's difficult because everyone has the the jealousy emotion built into them somewhere. Of course. And yeah, and then of course, when you're partying and doing drugs and whatever, they get amplified. And then you have those days where you just have irrational fights that you then pull back from later. Um, well, let's go back to. To your domination sessions, though. So, yes. How did your first domination session happen? My first session. Uh, I'm trying to think exactly of the first like session that I would consider a domination session. So the first, actually, no, I know exactly how it happened. This is the first time. So I had an ex-girlfriend who we went to a party together and she said it was an industry party. So we thought it was an adult industry party in Florida. (laughs) No, uh, it was a party for a website and it's called like Indie. Well, that's not like the whole name of the website, but it's basically called Indie and it's for independent sex workers. And 
we took a couple of pictures and she ran into a client she knew and he's a foot fetish client. So we popped out into his car and made a couple hundred dollars and I just like rubbed my feet in his face <laughs> with her. And it was super simple and really fun. And I definitely was wanting more of a variety than just foot fetish. But foot fetish always seems to be like a good like first dip in the water. Right. And that was definitely the first ever like session that I had gotten pulled into. And it led to you starting to do your own Dom sessions, right? Yes. I had definitely already wanted to do my own Dom sessions and I was getting training like through goddess foot domination. And then I had met my ex through them and she was a part of like this little kink family. So I got a lot of lifestyle training through them before I ever really stepped into like a place where I was like, all right, this is the space where I'm going to host my sessions. So, okay. You found a space though, um, a dungeon. Did you work out of a dungeon? I take it. The first place I worked out of was actually like a body rub shop that was ran by like a family friend. Okay. Uh, And this was in Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yeah, but it was an apartment. So it was just like there was a bed and like a massage table. And the owner had done kink work. So she was familiar with domination, but she had known me since I was little. So she was like, all right, yeah, if you want to do your domination sessions out of here, like no problem. This is a good first spot. Like there's always a girl here. So you'll never be alone. So that was a really nice safety method. But I had always known of another dungeon that another friend of mine owned. And it was a beautiful dungeon that's like built into his house. And there's a pool in the backyard. So and he charged $20 less an hour. So I was like, well, you know, there's like there's a whole dungeon set up. But it was really nice to start in a place that looked like it was basically my bedroom because people felt more comfortable and a lot of my first clients were like really nervous like not kink or kink based people because of where i was advertising they were interested in fetish but they were like a lot of first timers too we call those femdom curious Mm-hmm. Um, and when lola just to be clear when lola says since she was little she's still little um, <laughs> and Lola is is you know as we said at the beginning four foot eleven eighty five pounds might be a stretch. She is tiny as Dom's go, but uh, but of course fierce. Um, but was that a challenge for you as a as a small person trying to come across as as a big person essentially um, in a dominant way? Only sometimes. It really depended on the respect levels of the client. So if it was someone that was super respectful and just understood that, just understood the power play dynamic. But if it was someone that was more like a fetishist Mm -hmm. versus a submissive, then there would definitely be some like trying to like strong arm me sort of crap but i knew a lot of pressure points <laughs> actually because i got wow. scammed um the first time i tried to find a dungeon but i did get a good like oh, what's the word self-defense class out of it <laughs> oh good 
<laughs> so I knew a lot of pressure points and just little things like that is like pretty easy to like get a man to like quiver <laughs> when they're horny and they want to be like in the headspace. You just have to do a couple of little things to get them. But then there's always other clients who like even the smallest things such as like blindfolding them will like potentially like scare the shit out of them they don't know that it's like gonna cause them to feel that way because they don't really have the experience with it but then if like you blindfold them you step out of the room to go grab a candle and you walk back in they're like oh you could have like left and brought like a big scary man with you and i would have never known you could have killed me (laughs) i've had someone say that during the ones like dude I literally like walked out to grab a pair of scissors. <laughs> like, it's kind of hot though, knowing mm-hmm. that you're helpless. It is, and you just never for a lot and of by people. The way, so, girls that are listening, we have many female performers that listen to the show. Listen to what she's saying about pressure points and about self defense. You don't need to learn how to um, how to throw fifty punches at somebody. For self-defense, you need to learn where to hit somebody. Mm-hmm. It's such a big thing. I took 10 years of martial arts, and whenever I'm watching one of those fights on Twitter, you know, the, the there's all these little videos of people fighting. I'm always like, hey, what are you doing, man? Stop with all that and just smash down on his elbow right now, seeing as how you have his arm in your hand. And, you know, it's just like just know where are the places on somebody. One mm-hmm. self-defense lesson for a female can be so valuable because you learn – you know, if nothing else, that the guy's shins are available to you, uh, usually. Definitely. Or, or like, balls. pressing your thumbs behind the back of their ears, like, just a little lower than that can be excruciatingly painful. And it's, like, that's so simple and can be done when, like, there's a man on top of you, you know? Yeah. There's just so many different easy ways to potentially protect yourself in a situation that can get out of hand. Yeah. And I definitely encourage anyone to at least take one self-defense class. I know before this, um, I think around AVN, they did some self-defense classes for sex workers in Vegas. Yeah. Was that Lance Harmon's one of those maybe? I think so. Yeah. Good for Lance. Mm -hmm. Good dude. Yeah, he's super nice. I worked with him for the first time in right before COVID, actually, in February. I'm watching him on Twitter today. And so Lance is an emotional guy, of course, Um, for those that know him. I mean, say, of course. And so he's out there defending himself on Twitter from accusations that no one has made. And I (laughs) – This is a thing that all producers have to go through right now because we're going through a time in our industry where sort of the Me Too of porn is happening and all these Mm -hmm. performers are coming forward and saying, this happened to me and I should never have been put into this kind of position on set. And, um, you know, like I as a producer, for example, I haven't said a word about it uh, because A, nobody's ever made any accusations about me on set. So I'm not going to go on and defend myself for accusations that haven't been made. And that's the advice that I would give to other producers. Definitely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you can always talk about things that we need to do as an industry, but, uh, but it's a good topic to cover. We'll come back to that in a moment here. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I still want to ask you, well, first off for our foot fetish fans, how big are your tiny little feet? 
I have U.S. size sixes. Okay. So that's not too tiny. That's not too tiny. Mm-hmm. But I've got long legs, so proportionally. Yeah. <laughs> so you can trample a guy as well. Did you do a lot of trampling in your sessions? I love trampling. It's very fun for me because I know it's not going to be the easiest for me to, like, actually, as long as I'm not stepping on their ribs, like, I'm not going to really, like, Unless I'm, like, jumping up and down in you, I'm not going to fuck them up from it. But I love, like, standing on someone's chest and jumping over their face because they always get scared. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. They're all, they're always just like, oh, I thought you were going to fall on my face every single time. And I'm like, but I'm your face is, like, not big and I can easily jump in sneakers from your chest over your face. But they get so scared, and it gives me such a kick. <laughs> I want so badly to take a VR camera and put it on the ground and then have somebody like you walking over people and doing foot fetish stuff and then jumping over the camera like that. And it's good. It's going to be so damn good, but the market isn't there to support all this stuff yet, you know? Mm-hmm. I've tried. I've made some VR clips, and I, I really didn't make my money back, but it would be so awesome. I spent most of my uh, quarantine time in, in, um, with COVID going on watching Japanese VR videos, and they do a lot. Of mm-hmm. They're great. They figured it out. Really? I haven't watched too much of Japanese porn um, besides hentai, so I. but I'm not surprised that they would do a lot. I feel like Japan would definitely be more into that. Yeah, well, I wonder the if they have virtual reality is that you have to have people willing to pay for it. And here in the United States, the demand just isn't quite where it needs to be. But out there, they're just ahead of us technologically most of the time. So, and they're doing like our videos that we make out here are not fetish videos. Very few people are making mm-hmm. fetish virtual reality, but the Japanese are doing some unbelievable stuff. I definitely have to check it out. I wonder if they have, like, public spaces where, like, you can watch VR porn in Japan. Interesting. I'm curious. I feel like there there could be, like, a host club or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a more... Yeah, that sounds very Japanese, to have a club that you go to where you just enter, like, a coffin, basically, a small space, and watch porn. <laughs> With totally reality headset on and you know what i think was the greatest most interesting thing i saw was a femdom japanese vr video where the girls pee on you oh that's totally cool i love that idea it's awesome i need to make some some videos like that um because for somebody like me you know i've i'm always sort of mild femdom guy um, mm-hmm. I don't I certainly have never had anybody pee on me in real life, but I'm looking at this and going, okay, this I want to try. Virtual being peed on is very interesting. It's quite a sensation. I totally understand that. I mean, you've been squirted on though. I know because I've squirted on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and I would assume it's kind of the same. Um, just I don't feel like people are as intentionally hydrated as people are on porn sets. <laughs> well, the difference sort of, okay, I mean, yeah, squirting and peeing is basically the same thing in the world of porn, but when somebody's trying to look like they're squirting, they tend to keep it to limited to a, a small amount. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's peeing on you, 
Like, <laughs> it's just let loose, and you're sitting there for, like, t- two minutes of pee going up and down your face uh, virtually, you know, and mm-hmm. you hear it, you know, they had... They have it set up with these uh, ASMR microphones uh, in the Japanese videos. So you hear the pee splashing all over you. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> as if it's behind your head and then the top of your head and whatever. And uh, God dang it. Well, you got to get like the full immersive experience. Next thing you got to do is have like a friend take a like a warm water bottle and pour it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, honestly, I would make pee porn if we could in the United States. Um, it's just that it makes me so mad that it's an obscenity law. <laughs> exactly, that's the problem. So, for those of you who are listening, you're not familiar with obscenity laws. You know, rules change; they come and go in the porn industry. But we still operate under this vaguely written law called obscenity laws, and it basically says it's illegal to make to produce something in the United States. That's obscene, and then they define obscene as something that goes against the prurient interests of your community. And what's that? Well, nobody knows if it's obscenity until you put it in front of a grand jury. So under the George W. Bush administration, they picked a bunch of, of porn companies and hauled them into court and and basically filed charges against them that would have put them in jail for many years. In fact, some producers did go to jail for many years rob black for example uh for for a few years uh then when obama took over the first thing he did was he disbanded the obscenity task force uh or actually he he um took all of the good people off of it and so the people left basically just dropped the charges and the ongoing court cases or inepted their way out of the cases <laughs> that's one way of saying it. <laughs> the cases all ended up getting dropped at that point so then um, you're like, hey, great. You can make whatever you want if they're not prosecuting it. Well, the problem comes in you could make something today under the Trump administration and then maybe the next president or maybe Trump changes his mind. And, and I mean he's always promised his people that he was going to start going after porn. So maybe he does at some point and then they go back and get you for stuff that you made six years ago. So you just can't make the stuff that you want to make sometimes. I would – I'd be doing it. Natalia Starr came up to me at AVN this year, and for whatever reason, she just looked at me and goes, I'm just going to pee in your fucking mouth. <laughs> and I went, oh. <laughs> oh. Thank you. Like, oh, sure my goodness. That. That's but, so funny. Yeah, and I always – everything to me is a scene idea. So I was like, oh, well, that sounds like a good scene. We need to make this happen um, somewhere or another. Um, I want to ask Lola about then transitioning into porn after she started in the world of kink. But, of course, first I need to talk about our wonderful sponsor, Sex Panther. Lola, are you on Sex Panther? I am on Sex Panther. Yeah. Y'all should text me and call me on Sex Panther. (laughs) Tell them how to do this. How do they find you on Sex Panther? So you go online. You type sexpanther.com in. And then I'm pretty sure there's just a search bar. I'll do it myself right now. So then once you find her little profile on Sex Panther, you're going to get her Mm -hmm. phone number. How much do you charge for your phone number? I think my phone number is actually free. Free. There you go, guys. So so she's telling you, you're going to go to sexpanther.com, find Lola Faye, and get her phone number for free. Then you can start sexting 
with Lola Fay. That means mm-hmm. you can send her texts, you can send her pictures, you can send her videos. You know that dick picture that you wanted to send her, but you were afraid that she would yell at you if you did it through Twitter. Uh, and we're right. <laughs> you can send that to her on Sext Panther and ask her to rate your cock. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so what else do you do? Do you, you talk on the phone? Do you send videos out on Sex Panther? I do. I just, you know, whenever it's convenient, I'll get on. And I just like to sit there and check on my good little subs and my good little sluts. And I love to, like, look through the pictures I get sent, honestly, because I do get dick pics, but I get a lot of, like, sissies and lingerie. Yeah. So, so that sissy. always makes me happy. You're one of our sissy listeners, our many sissy listeners of the show, sitting there in your little sissy outfit right now with your wig on, maybe some lipstick, uh, perhaps a skirt, certainly a thong. You mm-hmm. want someone to see you. <laughs> And this is who would love to take a look at you. And you could just do it. And you just, you know, you send her a, 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 set, a text and then she'll send you something back. Um, also, maybe, you know, think about how hot it is. Again, by now you're listening to the show. You've Googled Lola. So you know you're looking at a stone-cold stunner. Um, mm. So imagine you wake up one morning and there's just a random text from Lola on your phone of uh, of a hot picture of her coming out of the shower or a video or something. What would that do for your day to have that random picture thrown at you, people? And I can answer that for you. It makes your day. You want this. Uh, also, you've spent the last 20 minutes getting to know Lola, and now you've realized that her personality is incredible and that you're falling in love with her, and you want to get some kind of a relationship going with her where you get to talk to her. Sex Panther. That's how you do it. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. you have all kinds of guys that you don't even like send, you know, d- talk dirty with all the time. Some days you just talk to them about how they're doing. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have someone who is a doctor right now, and I just check in on them from time to time because I know their job is super stressful right now. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. And that's like. There's just so many varieties of relationships, but that's the first one that comes to mind where I'm just like, I definitely think about that person throughout the day where I'm like, I hope they're doing okay. And I want to know that like, they're, they're just like literally alive. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go, my listeners, um, our listeners, you want to have a real relationship with your favorite adult entertainer. And that's what Lola's talking about. She has a real relationship with this doctor and if you're a regular listener of the show, you've listened to so many great adult film stars, Ginger Lynn, Christy Canyon, Courtney Taylor, Christina Rose, um, you know, just about everybody that's ever been on the program here. Uh, in fact, Astro Domina last week said she's on Sex Panther. Uh, they're all there, and you can go to Sex Panther and start a relationship with your favorite adult entertainment star. And for you porn performers who listen to the show, the many, many, many porn performers who listen to the show – if you're not on Sex Panther yet, shame, shame on you, shame, shame, shame. So shame. yeah, you should be <laughs> on Sex Panther right away so that you can build a real relationship with your fans. Because if you want to be in the industry twenty years, like myself, 
there's only one way to do it, and that's to build long-term, real relationships with your fans. Do that by becoming a performer on sexpanther.com. So there you go, everybody. Go to sexpanther.com and start sexting today. That's S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. Okay, back to uh, Lola Fay. You're listening to Mature Audiences Mayhem. We're talking to the unbelievably hot four foot eleven triple X Tinkerbell of porn, Lola Fay. Lola, um, you said you started doing fetishy type stuff, and then all of a sudden one day you got this whim in your head that you should do porn. So, how was the transition? What was your first set like? My first set was actually it was reality kings but the scene was a pov scene and it was like a street pickup scene so we fucked in a car and i had already right, known this guy right. so this the it was the boyfriend of your friend here yeah and it was pretty easy because you just kind of go outside and they're like hey they start talking to you you make some bullshit storyline up so i talked about how i was like waiting to go get cheesecake with my girlfriend <laughs> Very nice. And I had blonde hair and I had a lip piercing. Um, and I shortly decided afterwards that if I was going to do porn, that having like – I had a vertical abray. So the ball is on the top of my lip and it looked really nice. Like I had finally gotten the perfect jewelry. It was opals. It was it was gorgeous. Um, and I had to take it out because, you know, the blowjobs and – mainstream porn is just like really they're they're really intense and i love throat fucking Mm -hmm. so i'm i wasn't going to be limited by something that i could change yeah (laughs) but i was this cute little blonde and i got picked up at a park and we went and we fucked in a car and it was super easy (laughs) i was 20 20. okay so six months until i turned 21 so it was like just in that middle yeah but you looked uh you looked even younger than 20 and mm-hmm. you still look even younger than 20 <laughs> did they push did they play that up in the scene did they sort of try to make you look like a teen runaway or anything um i wasn't a teen runaway in this scene i've definitely like done a scene where <laughs> uh, oh god they wanted me to wear a denim skirt and the denims like they didn't they didn't tell me before the scene they didn't tell me until I was on set. But they had denim skirts, but of course I'm very tiny and they didn't have one that fit me properly. So I'm like walking around downtown Fort Lauderdale with like a skirt that's too big for me and a bright pink thong. Like bright pink lazy thong. And you can totally see it. it was, that was one of those days where I was just like, ah, yes, thank God I don't really have like too much shame. You know, <laughs> hard to shame me. Is going through. Um, this amazing time where girls are coming forward about the things that are making them unhappy. And there's going to be some new rules in our industry. And I think mm-hmm. one of them that potentially may happen, I spoke to an agent about last night, is that producers need to start letting performers know in advance more information about what the scene is. Totally. Because you know, I've seen performers come out recently, and I think it's a good thing. I applaud them. They say... I'm not doing any more incest scenes. I'm not doing any more scenes where I have to call a guy daddy or call a guy brother or whatever. Uh-huh. Are there – do you have limits like that? Do you think that there are types of scenes that you would turn down if you knew in advance what they were? I in particular – I don't really – when it comes to incest scenes, I could really do without them. But I am into DDLG. 
mm-hmm. both ways. Like I like being called daddy and I like um, that my partner is my daddy. So I do really like DDLG, but it's different than the Fosest, you know, and Fosest is just like, yeah, it's a niche that people like, but also like there's so much, there's so much of it. that it's just like it's it's boring to me um like i don't watch faux porn because the idea of that just doesn't get me off um but it's not really like a hard limit i personally have never liked the way um porn with people of color is labeled are labeled but um i hope that the industry they're already taking away like any sort of like interracial hashtags um in a lot of websites like many vids i know did that so i'm curious to see how that's gonna change over the time like what what people are gonna do and i hope that my my hope is that people will just start hiring more performers of color and just have more diversity within their scenes and so when you're scrolling through a porn page you don't have to look up interracial because there's so many different varieties of mixtures of people just having sex that you can find what you want within the first couple of pages. Right. Um, you know, my opinion here is slightly controversial on this because, um, I mean, I certainly support – you can look – you guys can look at my Twitter, GlennKingXXX, and you'll see that I very much support the Black Lives Matter movement and um, – and very much in support of the African American performers and mm-hmm. the African Americans across the country who are um, who are saying, "Hey, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea if we didn't have to fear the police every time they came out?" Uh, but I have a controversial opinion on one particular piece that I, I've shared with some of my African American performer friends, and that is, don't worry about labels. Uh, you guys, when you're focusing on telling people don't use this label or don't use that label. You're enabling them to keep doing the same shit they've been doing and just change the name of it. Mm-hmm. For example, race play. I want clips banned race play a few years ago. And yeah. so then all of the clip people just started saying, well, great. I'll make a clip of a uh, Nazi uh, killing a Jew, but I'm not going to call it race play. That's just going to be called uh, race fantasy or something. And then they get away with it. And <laughs> The real answer has to be changing the behavior and the things that are done, not just the labels. You need to make it – it's such – and there are, so, there are things that are so easy. Any mm-hmm. video clip that has the N-word in it should be banned from private sites like I want clips and clips for sale. Sorry, go ahead. You, yeah. you, were, you had a thought. No, I was just completely agreeing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really in favor of removing the word interracial. It's just a descriptor. It's just a description of a scene. I'm with you that what we need to do is remove the probably incorrect assumption that porn between a black girl and a white guy wouldn't sell or that porn between a black girl and a black guy wouldn't sell or that that African-American performers don't sell as well as Caucasian performers – um, that is probably just a made-up assumption because most of our industry is not based upon stats. Uh, it's most producers that I know just will tell you that. Well, I've been at this a while, and my gut, uh, you know, my experience tells me this. Yes, but I, but- for example, have been shooting um, a pretty good mix of African American performers for many years, along with 
all colors and sizes and shapes and I've created my own market for it. You know what I mean? Like if you give them African-American formers on a regular basis, then they want more. If you mm-hmm. if you have a website that's got 99% white girls and uh, so people aren't joining your website who are di- who are diversified fans, then one day you give them your token black girl of the year. You don't get very good views on it. You think, okay, well, see, black girls don't sell, but that's because you didn't build enough to appeal to that marketplace, to those people that are more diverse fans. And what you could do is get a bunch of new fans by committing to be a little bit more diverse with your performers. Definitely. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, I mean, our industry needs to do to change. I I think it's just too easy to get caught up with the, um, with the labels. Now, let me ask you about all these other things that are happening with uh, consent on set. Um, a number of performers have come forward. There are a couple of different websites who stand above it all, uh, right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not judging here, but if you guys just take a look on Twitter, you'll see Ryan Madison is taking a lot. You know, a lot of girls are complaining that he, for example, books them for a scene that does not involve a cream pie. A cream pie is when the guy actually ejaculates inside the girl. And they're saying that he violates that. Um, Another group of people are coming out against primal fetish and going over all kinds of abuses that he does on set. Again, I'm not, these are allegations. I'm not trying to judge whether somebody did or didn't do these things. What's your experience been like on sets? I have had primarily all good experiences. I've had some experiences where it's just like the acts themselves kind of make you a little like woozy and you have come downs, but that's just a come down from a scene Mm -hmm. like any sort of intense BDSM scene would have a come down. But I will publicly say fuck Ryan Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's my stance on that. I've never worked with. Okay, yeah, tell your story. Were you on set with him, or are you just basing that off of... Uh, no, I've I've had a set experience, and um, it was a scene that I never retweeted, never promoted, never wanted to work with them again. I canceled uh, my scene the next day with another company, because I was just, like, stunned. Um, yeah, no, Ryan Madison is trash. And it's weird because it is an, I was, when I was on set, it was an all female crew and I worked one-on-one with him and there was a a camera woman and everyone else on set that day is a female. But as other people have said as well, everyone besides the person holding the camera and Ryan Madison, if you're working with Ryan Madison, leaves. So there's no one besides this person that is like, used to it at this point you know wow That's hold on a second here what? <laughs> wait 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 you're saying you have a production manager on set you've got you got other people on set but when a scene starts everyone has to clear out of the room everyone leaves except for the woman holding the camera or if there's another there might be another person but for Who's me the woman holding the camera his wife uh no it wasn't his wife um it was someone else i'm not sure who i don't remember her name (laughs) okay let me let's just walk let's walk through this if you don't mind um 
I think other people could really benefit from hearing your story. Is this okay? Yeah. Okay. I'll walk through it. Okay. So you go on – first off, you've been told you've been booked for a scene with uh, with his website, Teen Fidelity. Mm-hmm. And what is the scene supposed to be? So it's a boy-girl scene. I had already been told by um, – I'm sure she won't mind me saying her name. Jane Wilde had already told me about like her experience. So I was already kind of on an alert. But when I got onto set, you know, all everyone's super nice except Ryan. Ryan's just extremely strange. But his wife is In nice. What way? You In know, she's extremely strange. Um, well, he's very like pushy and he wants we shoot in his house. And, like, afterwards, when I'm taking a shower, he's like, hurry up, get the fuck out. Like, I need to go, basically. And it's just like, whoa, dude, like, this is your own house. You can't, like, chill for a second. Like, after you just, like, fucked me sideways and, like, I threw up all over your dick and you wanted to keep going. Like, no, I need to take an actual shower. Yeah. (laughs) And just, like, that in itself is, like, its own thing. But the makeup artist is nice. And I can't remember. I think there's someone that does your hair. There were two ladies. And then um, his wife was nice and fed me a sandwich, but I, which I later threw up on his dick. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah. But so when I asked him, I was like, what are we doing in the scene? He was like, oh, you'll see. Like, you'll understand. You'll see. And I was just like, oh, like, what, <laughs> what is the scene? And this is like when I first, like, this was one of my first trips out to California. Yeah. And, um... So we like the scene starts in the car and where he it's basically just like me in a parking lot walking up to a car. I get in the car and he starts like vigorously making out with me, which isn't like off limits or insane. It was just like the it was just like really aggressive and weird and just kind of like not really like kissing someone usually is. Did you know in advance that kissing was in this scene? No. Mm hmm. so just like something like that and it's like all right and most of the time there isn't kissing in a scene so like sometimes it does like throw someone off where you're like whoa okay like didn't expect that but i'm not gonna like i'm having sex with a person i'm still gonna kiss them so that didn't throw me off and then like we get into the house and i'm like all right let me just like put a plug in my ass real quick because we're doing an anal scene and when I'm, like, trying to do that, he comes in and he starts filming me without asking. He's just like, oh, get the camera. Let's do this. And I was just like, all right. Like, I'm in, like, the room that I'm supposed to have, like, some privacy in. That's a little strange. Right. Um, But I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm used to, like, some sort of BTS sometimes. But that was just weird. And so we keep going. And when we start filming the scene... Um, he says weird things like, oh, like you made such a mess. My wife is going to be so mad, like shit like that. Um, which isn't like that abnormal. It's just like, he doesn't really tell you a plot Mm -hmm. or at least didn't tell me a plot. And so this, the things that bothered me in particular is like, everyone has the cream pie experience that I was already like kind of mentally like prepped for i think i even like talked to them where i was like if you're gonna cream pie me you need to pay me more um Mm -hmm. so i had already known about that but the way he fucks you is like really uncomfortable and really strange and like i've been like dp'd and 
gang banged in Europe. <laughs> like, it, yeah. and it wasn't as weird as like the way that this man will fuck your ass. So that was already uncomfortable. This sex was already kind of just like making me really like almost like disassociative in my feelings. And I remember just like feeling numb, but talking a lot because talking is how you at least like smiling and talking is how you make a scene seem like you're enjoying it yeah but i remember feeling very removed Mm -hmm. because it was just like a very uncomfortable but at one point i threw up on his dick and i was like all right let's cut and let me go like wash off and because i don't like vomiting in scenes and it was also like chunks of sandwich that i had just eaten (laughs) it was it was not yeah gross (laughs) and he was like no keep filming her (sighs) and this was like at the very end of the scene so i'm like it has me like washing my face off and stuff and then the scene was over relatively soon after that. I don't really remember like too much of this specific scene. I just remember it being like extremely uncomfortable and he makes you really feel low. Like he says like really mean things to you, which isn't super discussed before. Like makes you kind of like feel like you don't really have any power. He also makes you like work really hard during the sex. So you get exhausted pretty quickly and it was just a very uncomfortable scene but for me the worst part was like the vomiting i don't like when i tell someone that i don't like vomiting and it still happens in a scene and then they keep it like ugh. okay couple things here the vomiting happens when a guy forces his cock into a girl's throat to the point where she gags and vomits on it it can't it doesn't happen on its own um it, it happens only in the case of an aggressive performer and some girls think it's hot you know, to be fair, but, mm-hmm. but it's not something that most people like. Um, where did the load go, though? Because you said that you told him in advance, "Hey, if you cream, if you if you ejaculate inside me, you have to pay me more." What was his response mm-hmm. at the time? He was probably like, "Yeah, sure." It definitely shouldn't have been negotiated. I probably even talked to my agent about it before because I had already known that this was something that he had done because a couple of girls in my agency had told him not just jane but i was already like prepared for that i wasn't prepared for like the physical strangeness of how this person like doesn't give a single fucking regard for like the way that you feel during sex yeah and that was weird to me. <laughs> but where did the – did he cream pie you? Oh, yeah. He cream pied me for sure. I can't remember if it was like a vaginal or an anal cream pie. I think it was a vaginal cream pie. So, and you didn't get paid extra? No, I probably did get paid extra. I don't remember how much I got paid. The pay wasn't the thing that bothered me. Right, right. Um, Who was But I had already – uh, East Coast. Gotcha. Okay. He he's already gotten some heat, and I've <laughs> talked to him about it. But he's still, you know, he's known and he still sends girls there. So, right. Um, okay. So but I'm sure, like most agents that have had girls work with Ryan Madison, no. Well, I've spoken to a couple of different agents about it over the past couple of days, and been asking, why are you all still sending people to him? And they tell me that, uh, you know, they say, listen, my job as an agent is to take offers from potential 
uh, producers and and present them to my clients. And Mm -hmm. if I don't give them every offer that comes down the pipe, I'm not doing my job, but it's also part of my job to inform them about, you know, what, what types of, what types of complaints have been filed against them and what, you know, type of experience they're in for and then let them make their own decision. But I think that's going to change now. Um, just so you guys that listen, that are listening right now, and, and if you can hear in my voice how somewhat angry I am, uh, just hearing her story, you have to understand you're probably – because I, I hear so many fans asking for cream pies, and you're not thinking this through. Uh, the performer in question here, Lola, is a person. She's a performer, but she's a person. She faces the same problem that everyone faces when somebody ejaculates inside her. Uh, the first problem is there's potential pregnancy. The second problem is that there are potential diseases transmitted. It's an, it's a lot easier way to transmit a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you book somebody for a cream pie scene and she's agreed to it, then it's okay. Although I personally think cream pies should just be made illegal in our industry. I think it's a health hazard. Um, and by the way, there's no... If that makes a, sense. Yeah, and if you're one of our producers, potential, you know, I know a lot of people listen to the, to the show because they are up and coming or aspiring producers, and you want to learn a few things. Let me tell you something, producers. A fake cream pie is better for visual than a real <laughs> cream pie. A real cream pie could end up being barely visible inside there. Totally have it happened many times. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's it's actually better to film um, just to film two endings. If you want to make a cream pie video, then you film one where the guy kind of makes the orgasm noise, and then you fill her with uh, uh, Cetaphil or um, what have we used before? Uh, pina colada mix. Uh, I can't remember. There's something you don't want to use inside of a china. Maybe that's the the pina colada mix but yeah i wouldn't use i mean cetaphil cetaphil just tastes bad too i wouldn't use either um i if i can say a brand i can recommend some lubes that are good okay uh or Um, i saw cream of coconut too on somebody was saying on twitter yesterday as they were complaining about primal fetish they were saying but here's the genius he uses cream of coconut for all his fake pops I would do that for like mouth like pina colada is good for your mouth because it doesn't taste bad and so would be coconut cream but like bad dragon or spunk lube they both have like cum lube oh. and at the very least that's like made to go inside of you <laughs> huh. yeah we've used uh uh pina colada mix for hand job fake pops which I tasty know, you guys that are listening are thinking why would you need a fake pop for a hand job and it's some days performers have bad days on set and you're sitting there waiting for a pop for an hour and then you just mm-hmm. go, somebody go get the pina colada mix. Let's just get out of or here. Some t- yep, that's totally true. Or sometimes like you want to film multiple clips in a day, but you don't want to make this guy come three times. Right, right. Myself. I'm only <laughs> Or you do. I, have, I regret that I have but one load of sperm to give in my videos, but that's all I've got. Um, sorry. So, but getting back to this, the point is, is that it's, there's no reason to do a cream pie. Uh, We're making videos that are fantasies. We're not, this isn't reality television here where everything has to be real. Uh, Mm -hmm. These cream pies are unnecessary and I get it. Some girls love cream pies. Of course, it's an instinct and some guys totally, I love cream pies, but I also just want it from my partner, not from like 
every dude in the industry because it fucks you up like with your ph well, not even just that, but also just, like, the nature of, you know that this man is, like, he likes to force it on people, so I already knew that, but it's something that he, like, really deeply fetishizes, so you know that this whole scene is just to get him off. Right. Because he could have booked you with another performer. Right. Because I've seen teen fidelity scenes and porn fidelity scenes where I'm like, wow, this is, like, an established performer that I would I've loved working with, but I didn't get hired with him. I got hired with the owner of the company who has so many upper hands. You're in his big, beautiful, like it's a huge house, like so many statues and stuff. Like this man makes a lot of money and feels very powerful and has his crew in a way where he can get away with a lot of things. Right. Well, look, uh, on that one, uh, I mean, you know, uh, if you're the producer, if you're the owner of the company, you get to choose whoever you want in a scene. So mm -hmm. you tend to end up with the best performers. That's how uh, Lola ended up in a scene with me. Uh, and it was uh, great. So, and it was great. We had a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. I did. Super fun. I had a great time. It was a really fun scene for me. Like, I felt totally comfortable and happy and, like, encouraged. And I felt very, like, good about myself on that set. Versus as a parallel um, with Ryan Madison, he just, like, makes you feel like you have to get through the day. Right. At the very best, you know? Yeah, there are things that we do on my sets that, I mean, look, I don't want to make this, like, put Lola in a position where I'm trying to get her to say nice things about us. But <laughs> for you producers out there who are looking at Twitter right now, our industry disintegrating on Twitter, and you're saying, how do I avoid ending up with a bunch of girls coming forward against me? You know, there are things that we do that everyone should sort of think about. You know, for starters, we let everybody know in advance of anything that's mandatory in the scene. Uh they already know about when they get there. So, you, you know, I tell them, we're, well, we're doing a femdom scene. It's going to have ass worship in it, and it's going to have foot worship, and it's going to have oral sex or fan job or whatever, and these are the things. And then if I say to a girl on set, well, uh, I just thought of a great idea for this scene. You know, I want you to, to give a blowjob to a golf club or whatever. Then the girl <laughs> uh, has the option of saying no, and it happens from time to time, and it's okay. If you didn't say it in advance, you don't get to put it in the scene as a mandatory thing. That's my – and I think that's a rule that should stick for everybody. And then and then all, the night before the scene, we give her any further details uh, that – you know, she, the girl always knows who the male talent is in advance. She always knows in advance what she's going to be doing in the scene. Then once she gets there, she is told several times that if you have any problems or anything on set that's making you uncomfortable, let us know. And on those occasions that that happens, you have to take it incredibly seriously. Mm -hmm. what, exactly. What recommendations would you – what do you think this industry needs in terms of new rules that are going to make it safer for performers? I think there's a couple things that it needs. I think um, that there needs to be informational videos for performers to literally just be given by their agents when they first – sign up you know it's like hey here are these videos these will talk about how to like take care of your orifices and keep yourself clean after set and before and, and the potential risks and how to 
you know, make sure that you know that you can say no on set and that if anything is really, really uncomfortable, you can leave. And guess what? If it's a teen fidelity scene, who cares if you leave that set? I've never worked with them again. I never wanted to put another dollar in that man's pocket and I've done just fine. Like you can, you can, but it, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. Like a performer should never have to walk off set. If a, even for male talents, if like a girl has BV so bad that the entire crew can smell it <laughs> and they're like, yo, get in there, buddy, go eat her out. Like he should first of all be able to say no. Second of all, the director should probably send her home and be nice about it, but send her home and tell her to like, you know, hey, go see a doctor or you know, there's something that needs to be fixed here, not force this man to like have to like inject his penis for the first time ever with something because he can't get hard because it's just such a like an excruciating scene, no matter how hot the girl is. Like if it's just bad, it's just bad. Right. But I've had male talent that have had to do that and it's just like it breaks my heart that it goes both ways where um performers are just put in such uncomfortable positions to get their work done and the director can see it and you know it's just like they don't want to be the ones to call it sometimes you know they want the performers to be the ones to call it if anyone's going to call it because then it's not on their dime in a way for some companies you know it's tough um and so yeah exactly but it's just like little things like that where if girls knew how to take care of their vaginas better and if girls knew about boric acid before their two-year mark in the industry like we would have less problems like that and so i think there needs to be informative videos i think that people there's been talk about having like female liaisons on set and i don't know if I feel like, yes, having females on set should be a preventative, but I know men that do that specifically because they're worried about, like, something. And having female liaisons, like, appointed that aren't connected with the company could be good because then they don't have, like, their dollars tied in. So I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but I don't know how that would work. Exactly. Like... (laughs) Only, like, a very small percentage of performers got, like, the FSC checks. Uh, and so that's, like, that's just one thing. And, like, let alone, like, the crew and the talent. Like, a lot of crew and a lot of male talent during the quarantine have been, like, screwed. They totally lost their forms of income, you know? They didn't... They Yes, men can make clip sites just as much as women can, but they don't do it as often. So a lot of men were just kind of like shit out of luck when it came to this versus like we're over here and we're finally getting our OnlyFans to like a place where it's like, yeah, we don't need to go back to work. I'm and holding my tongue for the most part. So it's fascinating. The, the, uh, the lack of, of um, experience in getting the industry started again has been very difficult on mm-hmm. male performers and crew. Uh, I, I'm going to leave it at that because the the the, the industry voluntary <laughs> voluntary hold has now been lifted and and uh, thankfully so thankfully people can go back to work. Um, I have two proposals for the industry. Number one, I think um, 
what we need is a five-person panel that would have one sort of chief justice and four rotating industry people. And what would happen is every time a performer has a, a, an issue on set, they would file a formal complaint with the panel. The panel would allow both sides to present their cases. Then they would issue a ruling, which would go into a database that with information about that company. And if it's a one-time thing that happens to that company, maybe it's no big deal. But if a company accumulates lots of these violations or lots of these reports, uh, then you'll see that performers uh, will stop shooting for them. And I think that gives the agents what they need to be able to tell performers, well, so-and-so is offering you $1,000 for a scene, but I'd like to point you to this database over here that shows all the girls that have accused them of onset rape. And, you know, so you get that problem. My, my other proposal, and I'll let you respond to both of these proposals if you like in a second, is uh, I've heard a lot of people proposing that we should uh, not allow any girls to perform until they're 21. Um, I don't think that's actually a good idea at all because I know, you know, Kiara Cole, for example, at age 19 was way more mature and way more advanced than most of the 27-year-olds in this industry. But I do think that there should be a some kind of restrictions on the producer side. Many producers are not mature enough to do to produce, and I think we should have a certification that producers have to go through before they're allowed to book talent from agencies. Those are my two. I think that'd be a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I've definitely seen the panel idea going around on Twitter, and I, of course, agree with that because why not? have it's just like having the avn panel but for something that needs to be addressed yeah yeah i think it's you know again i think you got to keep it small uh and i think you got to have regular meetings and you, you need to have somebody that is a integrity a leader of the panel who has uh, unquestioned integrity um not me and uh, uh, somebody else, and 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 I, and I think you know we could put all that together, and, and it could be done quickly. And it would make a big difference for the industry. Right. I think it could benefit from like just having like someone. Yeah, it has to be someone who just like is very ethical. Yeah, who is unquestionably ethical. I think I know somebody like that, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> so um, uh, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure that people know all about where to find you and stuff. I just uh, looked on your Twitter, which is Lola Faye XXX. That's L-O-L-A-F-A-E-X-X-X. And then I clicked on LolaFay.club, which takes me to your OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Your OnlyFans is only twelve ninety nine a month. And I see there are live shows on here. What else are on, what else are on your OnlyFans? I do live shows. I do a lot of customs. It's one of the best places to order customs from me because it's an easy – I'm already talking to people all the time, so I'm very active on there. So seeing a custom order on there is the quickest platform to get my attention. And I also do the weekly live shows on Fridays or Saturdays. just sort of depends on the week. I do a lot of private one-on-one messaging. We also – I also do – um text chatting so kind of like the same as sex panther i do that on only fans too so it really depends on the client's preferred platform i have plenty of triple x clips i have like anal scenes i've got femdom scenes fetish scenes i've got strap on scenes girl girl scenes i have cute photo sets 
got pictures of my feet. <laughs> Your delicious size six feet. Um, so for twelve ninety nine, guys, you're getting uh, two hundred or excuse me, one hundred and sixty two posts, two hundred and four pictures, forty three videos, plus live shows. And and these live shows are how much per minute extra? These live shows, um, I run them for free for free. everyone, but. Free. It always goes through a tipping process, so I do my best to try to meet the goal for that night. So, for example, tonight I'm doing an anal show, mm. and it's my first anal show on here, but I'm only doing anal if the chat can meet the goal because they, you know, if they want to see me put things in my butt, it's got to go both ways. Yeah, so get on there and, and tip if you like what she's doing. You know, that's mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of value for thirteen or for twelve ninety nine. Uh, now I'm also looking at the Lola Fay I Want Clips store, where you can get such things as schoolgirl blackmails, nylon perving principal, <laughs> panty sniffing stepbrother, uh, worship. I do a lot of panty sniffing videos. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? I see a nylon uh, sniffing here as well. So she does mm-hmm. smell really good, guys. Um, oh, you know, thank I you. you. You guys want to you sell your panties on here somewhere? I'd like to I don't some. sell them through I Want Clips, but I do sell my panties. Okay. Where mm-hmm. do they go to buy your panties? Just email me. Okay. So go to her on Twitter or email her. What's your email address where they can email to buy your panties? L-O-L-A-F-A-E-X-O-X at gmail.com. Here's one. Chastity step cousin gets a foot job. A lot. There's a lot in there of uh, <laughs> fetishes thrown at you there. Yeah, those are some of um, the ones with my blonde hair on those are like some of my first clips. I love these. Student blackmails foot loving teacher. I think we've shot that scene a million times on Mean Bitches. <laughs> That's one of my best-selling scenes. Um, I'm sure. Spitting jerk-off punishment. I like this a lot here. Mm-hmm. So it says here, you have a problem. You need to stop touching your pathetic penis. And then she spits in your face uh, as you are watching this video. It says she spits right into the camera. Beautiful. I love, I love like, just the simple nature of femdom POV porn. Because you can really... You're only reacting off of yourself in the way that you're imagining this person to react, you know, and you can just really create the whole scenario just through talking and actions. I love it. It's really fun for me. I think it's the future of porn. Um, This is the thing that we all have to adapt to at some point is that most people, not all, but most people, when they fantasize about sex with somebody, they fantasize about them actually in, involved in the sex, participating in the sex. It's an only a minority that fantasizes about being a voyeur who's watching two other people having sex. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get porn to the point where the viewer feels like they're in the scene. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's why I watch so much virtual reality because I, I know it's coming. It's just that we need the, the technology to catch up. Yeah, sometimes VR scenes take very, very... Actually, every VR scene I've ever been in, besides the first one, which was like a VR vor scene, Mm -hmm. where they put like a VR camera on top of a doll's head. 
and just like it was a 360 camera so it was me alone in the room and i was just like fucking with this doll and like eating its arms and stuff (laughs) that was great that scene was quick every other vr scene that i've ever done that involves sex or bondage or anything multiple people i've done like 13 girl vr scenes (sighs) takes a very long time i've done a bondage VR scene. Yeah. The it that the directors wanted it done in two hours. And this was like one of their first days with the new VR equipment. Yeah. Well a bondage scene with multiple bondage um like Shibari changes takes a while anyways. It took eight hours. The yeah. best part was uh-huh. the male talent didn't speak a single word of English. Perfect. And didn't really like acknowledge me the whole time. So we talked <laughs> through the director and it was like the the VR setup was in front of him, so it was like really I could mostly just see his penis, and I couldn't really like do too much movement because I was in like such heavy bondage the whole time. Um, it felt like fucking a robot. It was like wow, this like re- this man has like the fuck machine speeds. Like he would go really really fast and then slow and then really really fast. <laughs> it was like this is exactly like a fuck machine. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was one of the. F- first times i was like this is this is kind of like i'm objectifying a male talent because he does he feels like a robot <laughs> yeah that's his job in the vr scene i mean you're pretty much a mannequin at that point so but the shibari too. artist was super nice there you go. <laughs> it was I mean, funny look, he kept who, me yeah go mm-hmm. ahead. oh sorry you uh are we getting uh, close on no, time i was gonna say guys that if because i get a lot of people that say glenn you talk all the time about how much you love virtual reality but then you don't make a lot of virtual reality videos, and, and it's like, uh, this is what she's talking about. It takes twice as long to make a VR scene, and then five times as much to edit, time to edit a VR scene, and then I make half of the money off the VR scene that I, I would have made off of just doing a regular scene, and that's why I don't make more of those. Uh, I, I totally I understand that. But if you want to see a great VR scene, go to uh, checkvr.com uh, and see Lola Faye's virtual reality scene. Um, you'll feel like you're fucking Lola. It's just amazing and uh, great stuff. I know that I used it as a casting method as I was trying to decide who to shoot. I was like, this Oh, my great. goodness. Yeah. I love it. I had such a fun day. That was the, that was, um, that was the bondage scene. <laughs> where i was like i that oh, okay. it was a good scene yeah, yeah. it was a no, good it scene came out great it was a good scene but i was just like wow i'm fucking i'm fucking a robot and also <laughs> i was the shibari artist was super nice and like really cute and so i talked right. to him most of the time so every time he would try to get me into a position he'd be like oh get into a position i would unconsciously like face him when i would have to like face away so every time we changed, it was just kind of like, oops, oops. But I went on two dates with him afterwards. Good time. Good times. Uh, I and I definitely want to work with him again. I, I know I eventually I will. You were uninhibited in the scene, just very carefree and confident. Uh, you didn't have the usual nervousness that goes along with a situation like like that. You know, you just put <laughs> it all out there in front of the camera, and it was great. It was an anal scene, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. For some reason, I don't like that for VR. But whatever. I mean, it was great. It it was interesting for like to do anal scene where like I have to do the most of the movement because the guy can't move that much, you know? Because um, yeah. you don't want to like mess up the camera. So yeah. it's interesting to do an anal scene that you're bound in. <laughs> 
Jesus. <laughs> and you're like trying to do it was it was so it was a it was a good day and a hard day and I liked it. So that's the most important thing, right? Is like yeah. I having a scene where it's like almost challenging. I love challenging days. Um for the most part challenging in good ways i just want anal to be like the 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 cupcake at the end of the meal i want to to have sex vaginally where i really like um you know to be and then Mm -hmm. and then i want the grand finale if we're going to do anal to be to do that the europeans they just like it's like the scene starts with double anal they don't have any sense of build-up or, uh, you know, like a climax of a scene where you hold something back until that point. Mm-hmm. So that's just how they are. I totally get that. Yeah. Um, I have never done double anal, but for some reason, that's like the porn that I watch the most of. And it, I think it's because it's something I can't like I I currently can't do. Uh-huh. So it's like, I mean, I know if I like believe in myself and like really train <laughs> for it, I totally can. But it's it's just one of those things where it's just like I haven't done this. And it's really hot. <laughs> yes. But I have to watch someone where it's like Charlotte Sar or Lydia yeah. Black. Yeah. Where I know that like I know for a fact that these girls really enjoy anal. And I know Lydia Black loves double anal. So it's just like that's hot. Yeah. They're having a good time. I like those scenes. <laughs> but you're right. They do. They do have like a very quick build up. Right, right. The European stuff. All right. Well, what have we learned today? We've learned that uh, Lola Fay is amazingly beautiful and uh, tiny and that she's the triple X uh, Tinkerbell of porn. Uh, Lola, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at Lola Fay triple X. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Funk Lola Fay. So F-U-N-K-L-O-L-A-F-A-E. My fan club is one of the best ways to get in touch with me. So that's lolafay.club. Sex Panther is also the other best way to get in touch with me. So I'm yeah. super glad that you mentioned it. Sure. We love Sex Panther. Yes. And yeah, you can find all my links from my Twitter. I think I'm going to post a blog because I started writing for companies recently and I've been enjoying that. So I might as well do it for myself. So just check it out and check out my Twitter. That's the most frequently updated things that has the link for everything. There you go, everybody. Um, And if you are one of the the legions of Lola fans, we call them Lola lovers, uh, who have tuned into the show. Is that what you call them, Lola lovers? Or do you have another? Lola lovers? I would say like... Lola lovers, Faye fans, Faye fam. Okay. I don't know. Faye Just All right. so Faye you're, fam. You're part of the legion of fans, the Faye fam, who has tuned into this show just to hear Lola. We would appreciate it if you would uh, click on the subscribe button and uh, because that helps us uh, with our statistics on the show and get advertisers and so on. So click on subscribe, and if you get a chance, give us a five-star review. It helps us very much. So there you go, everybody. Lola Fay, my name is Glenn King. My Twitter is Glenn King XXX. That's G L E N N K I N G XXX. Thank you so much for listening to Mature Audiences Mayhem. <laughs>